We have a brief content warning with this episode. Around the 50-minute mark, there will be a description of a character being overcome by rage, and then the aftermath it is not a particularly gory description, but just as a heads up, we will be putting this down. Warning. Warning. Before the section starts, and we will be using that as our content warning system in the future if there's ever anything that's potentially triggering. One thing you can be assured of, though, is there will be no harm to children or animals in this podcast. Future trigger warnings will be more detailed as needed. Thank you, and I hope you enjoy this episode. So, where we last left off, you all had in some way fallen unconscious. Yep. Blood loss, baby. You had had the worst nights in the history of nights, probably ever. You went to this dinner party that turned into a will reading, uh, that turned into a... Literal nightmare? Yeah, a nightmare is a really good word for it. The ending of a slasher movie. Yeah. So... As you all are unconscious, you, in the inky blackness of your mind, your subconscious, you hear the word Basidiogur, and you see this green eye staring at you. You see the night happen over and over again five times before you wake up in your own bed, in your own house. Your clothes are soaked with sweat. And as you sit up, the rest of the dream fades. But this eye and that name are etched into your mind. And no matter how many times you want to just forget it, it just keeps burning its way back. And every time you close your eyes, you see this eye looking at you. Every time you want to think of something else, the name Basidiogur, crashes into you. Now you don't feel well rested at all. You feel just meh. Today's gonna be a rough day. But it is Friday. September 1st, 1939. Again. And it all felt like a bad, bad dream. So, there's no more shoulder injury? Where are we living the same day again? Victoria, you wake up, and you have no shoulder injury. Nothing. I'm not sure what's going on, but I think I've got something's attention. I wake up and reach out for Bosco. Bosco's there to lick your face. Oh, good. Oh, that was a horrible nightmare. I don't normally... must have eaten something strange. I check the calendar. Oh. All that for nothing. Extensive nightmare. Must have had something to do with 
There's some weird stuff going on in my collective unconscious, if it must be peeking out that way. I wonder if I can find those other two, if they're real. As Deckard's laying there in his bed, he's about to wake, he's just, With my last breath, I curse Gabriella! (laughs) 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 Oh, God. I just woke up talking shit. (laughs) (laughs) Deckard and Victoria, when you wake up and you think of those people, their names vanish from your minds and off your tongues. Deckard, you say the name Gab... (laughs) And... Bartender? I feel like I just forgot someone very frustrating. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Victoria, you start to think about these other two people and their faces. Just are shrouded in mystery. You feel like they're there, but as you go throughout your morning and you get ready for work or to go to school, they're gone. It's just a dream. You just kind of forget about it. You go on throughout your day. Probably classes in the morning, working at a, doing whatever odd jobs at the paper in the afternoon. Yeah, so you head into classes, Victoria. And one of the professors pulls you aside as you're walking in. Victoria, is it? Yes. A stack of books just got delivered to the school. It is a very special collection that we were donated as part of a patron's last will and testament. And the letter attached says it was to bolster the research of a Victoria Maguire? Do you know anything about it? And before you answer that, in character, you've never had any contact with Amesley. You do not even know the name Amesley. This is all weird to you. I can't say I am, but I'm not going to complain. Mighty generous. They are waiting in the library for you whenever you're ready. I was said to give this to you, and it is a letter. She'll open it and read it. Or maybe, like, step away and read it. And the letter just says, for the research of Victoria McGuire. Well, that's odd. I just show this to the librarian, and she'll know what to do. I must be off to class. Thank you. Yeah, and whatever you've done to get the eye of a very wealthy donor, congratulations. The school thanks you very much, and perhaps we'll see it in a scholarship for you next uh, semester. I'd certainly appreciate that. Parents would as well. I wonder if they're the ones who set up this. I do know people. This professor, Professor Steinway, as she walks away. Thank you. Inshallah. Continue on to her class, tucking the note in her pocket, trying to think of who could possibly, but I think in her mind, her thought is, maybe someone her parents knew? But she's also thinking it might be someone who knows her, but she doesn't know them. There's another possibility she's starting to consider, and she wants to figure out how to best pursue that, but Limerick is a little far away. Gotcha. Well, tell me... What classes do you have scheduled for Friday? So she probably tries to keep her Fridays lighter, perhaps a class that she enjoys, so mythology course, and then maybe a course on editing, and then she has lunch and she'll go to work at um, 
Tia sparks odd jobs at different papers. Because she's studying to be an investigative journalist. So, which mythology are you learning? Or is it just a general class on mythologies? If there's, like, a class on, like, Irish or Celtic folklore, that's probably what she's taking on a Friday. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> Knowing her. That class was a lot of fun. Editing was a little um, slow and boring today. It just kind of the time dragged on. And... It's probably like editing and typesetting too. Yeah. You actually leave a little bit earlier from that class and you kind of run to the library and you're very interested in these books that have come for you. Also, who sent them? Yes. You see the librarian at the front desk. What would you like to do? She'll walk right up, greet the librarian by name, because guaranteed she knows her the librarian. What is the librarian's name, then? Her name's Gina. Alright. Oh, hello there! Good afternoon, Gina. I heard uh, you have some books for me, and she pulls out the note and slides it across the table. Oh, yes! We went ahead and filed them into special collections. They'll be waiting in the room over there. Do you want me to lead you over there? I think I know the way. Thank you, though. No problem. Uh, Professor Steinwick said that she would be in in a little bit just to uh, make sure you're doing well and to kind of get a, um idea of what type of books that you had uh, received. Alright. Thanks for the heads up. No problem. And she'll head off. Right now, she's more feeling more curious than, like, polite social conversation, so she's being nice, but she'll just chat and catch up with the librarians later. She's like, I gotta know what these books are. And as you enter into special collections, you find 12 books sitting at a table in a box. The technician looks like they're about to um, start putting them away. Oh, do you mind leaving them out for a second? I'd like to look at them. Oh, are you Victoria McGuire? Yes, I am. Oh, well, these are for you, after all. They were donated to the school, but you're more than welcome to them anytime. Do you happen to know who donated them? I believe it was anonymous. The letter that came in, it didn't have a name on it. The boxes were filed with no name. It was only this tall attorney, nice suit with a maroon tie. Is anything about that ringing bells? Not, not for your character. Yeah, she looks a little disappointed because she was hoping there'd be a name with it. That's odd, but perhaps they'll show themselves later. But perhaps. She's gonna politely on and walk around the table so she can start inspecting the books and checking out what they're about, how old they are, what their condition is. She's kid in a candy store. Gotcha. The library technician leaves you to the space. Mm -hmm. And as you look at the books, there's 12 of them in the box. They're rather large books. Um, some of them are textbooks. Some of them are written primarily in Gaelic. You have a few of them that are translated to English, but most of them seem to be about archaeology, anthropology, and history. 
they are over the Fae and the Legends of the Isles. Victoria just lights up. This is this is Christmas for her. She's oh, this is wonderful. I can't wait to start studying these. Perhaps maybe whoever left them left their name in it. You flip to the front of each book, and none of them have any markings on them to denote that they were ever owned by anyone, or anybody ever signed their name in it, or anything like that. Now you do see one of the books is signed by the author. That's pretty cool. Yeah, she just kind of shrugs, because not everyone writes their names in books, but she's like, yeah, it was worth a try. If she has a little time, she'll maybe grab one of the like a history, one of the history textbooks, and just sit down and start carefully paging through it. Okay. Not trying to read the whole thing, but just, you know, look and see what some of the comment topics are. Gotcha. So, each of these books you know would probably take you about two months to read. Yeah. Mechanically, though, these books will take you two months to read each. (laughs) And you will be able to choose whether or not you want to add an improvement to your archaeology, anthropology, or history every time that you finish one of them. Nice. It will only be a 1d6 improvement, though. That's still something. Yes, and you can always use library use or your skill in English to decrease the amount of time that it would take to read it. So if you make a hard success, you'll be able to read it in twice the speed. If you do an extreme success, you might be able to do it in just one day. That's impressive. I think today she's mostly just going to be looking through and kind of deciding which ones she wants to dig into first. Did you want to take any with you? The technician comes back up. Oh, I can take them with me. Well, I mean, you can always check them out. I went ahead and I put the labels on them. Oh, wonderful. Are there any that are specifically on, like, mythology or mythological beings? She'll probably grab one of those. Because she's still got that name stuck in her head. Go ahead and roll luck for me. I'll need an extreme success. Ah! So close. You could always bring it down a little bit. Oh, no, wait, that's a luck roll. I'm sorry. Never mind. I'm a fool. I was about to say, I don't think I can spin luck to improve my luck. I'm a fool. (laughs) <laughs> it's okay can't believe you've done this you find a book that stands out to you at least a little bit and you go ahead and you pick it up and you start flipping through it and you're just like I think I'll take this one alright if you want to just take that one up to the uh, front desk and they'll get you checked out there alright well thank you I'll just go ahead and file these away and you'll be able to come back anytime wonderful thank you very much also at some point, she wrote down the names of the other books just so she could be able to remember them. You've written down the names, you've written down their call numbers and everything. Yeah. She's like, I want to make sure I can find these because someone left them for me. She's going to read through them. Yeah. The school seems to be definitely taking them for themselves, but the idea is that even if you weren't a student here, they'd allow you to come in and take those books out. Which is pretty cool, but she plans on staying a student here until she finishes her degree. Yeah, I figured as such. But if you get expelled for whatever reasons, not saying you will. <laughs> oh my... 
I'm very concerned that that's the thing you jump to, but okay. That's immediately where it goes. <laughs> Victoria very carefully will tuck it in her bag, and I think at this point she probably needs to head to the paper. Alright, so as you go ahead and you wrap up, you get your book checked out, do you head off to work? Yeah. Okay, that's where we'll go ahead and leave you off for now. Next up, Gabriella. Alright. It's been a rough morning. After a cup of coffee, that nightmare just feels like a thing of the past, and you get ready for work. Being a psychologist, did you want to like take notes about that dream, or did you want to do anything about that? Yeah, I think Gabrielle is definitely going to try out some dream association and eventually kind of come to the conclusion that it was a nightmare meant to tell her to be more willing to accept the strange. Okay. Because doing so might be able to help her in the future. Got it. And to avoid people who have a lot of ex-wives. Even though they are out there. And in, in general, like, don't go outside in a storm, but that's more of a thing that, like, oh, why would I have done that? That's a silly thing to do in a dream. Alright, so, as you do that, you write it down in a journal, you associate it, and by the time you've gotten to work, which is just your downstairs... Yeah, I don't have to go very far. You get down the stairs, you have it written, your first client comes in, and it is a rather normal day at work. What is this client's name? Harold. Harold, okay. And what is he seeing you about today? Harold's been having reoccurring nightmares about his mother-in-law, so we're trying to like work through that block. Understood. Go ahead and roll psychology. Sure. You have made headway with this man. Nice. A nice little breakthrough. Yeah, you have a breakthrough with him. He thanks you for everything, and he goes ahead and hands you uh, his check for the month. Thank you, thank you. Now you must remember to listen to that part of yourself that is telling you to be confident. You can actually listen to it now. Thank you. I think I will. She's coming over for dinner tonight, so I'll try and be confident. Best of luck. We'll we'll talk all about it next time, I'm sure. All right. Ooh, he had a bad time at that dinner. It's going to go great. He's going to have a great time. He did not roll very good for the confidence. Oh no! Oh no! It's okay. Harold will be back probably tomorrow. <laughs> oh no! Poor thing. I mean, more money for you, though. Yeah, special sessions. You do charge a little extra. Yeah, yeah. He's doing two sessions in the same week. I don't know. Alright. <laughs> so, you have a couple more patients come in. Typical stuff. More dealing with ex-wives dealing with ex-husbands dealing with kind of everything under the sun or what would you like them to be over no that's the basics there's probably some stuff about some some anxiety and some some grief work uh, you have one guy who comes in trying to drop drinking oh, okay uh, he's a new client hmm okay we sit him down and I I gave him the basic check-in about what I do and what he's looking for and I ask him kind of where things started for him. Well, uh, you see, it was out in the country one day, and I saw some things that I just can't explain, and just kind of hit the bottle, and I feel like I've gone a little too far. Oh, okay. Now, 
when you were in the country? Was this when you were younger? Older? Older. Okay. How recent was this? Gotta say, it was probably two years ago. I just decided that today I should probably do something about it. Okay, two years ago, you said? Yes, ma'am. Okay, interesting. How often do you drink? How many days out of the week? How many drinks during each day of the week? Uh, seven days a week, and, well, mm -hmm. I usually lose count after four. Okay, so four, a little bit more after. And you say this drinking has helped you kind of push away these things that you saw. It helps, but then I fall asleep and I just have terrible dreams. Okay, okay. Now, who do you have around you that you've been able to talk to about these sorts of things? Well, that's the thing. Recently divorced and that she took the kids and my parents don't want anything to do with me. Mm -hmm. My ex's parents want nothing to do with me and... I owe a lot of money in the drinking debts to friends who want nothing to do with me. Alright, well, as long as you're coming here, you will have someone who has something to do with you. So that's a start, right? I really appreciate that, Doc. Of course. Now, you've been experiencing these nightmares. Yeah, I had one earlier today. Now, of course, I wouldn't ask someone to divulge a lot of the pain they are feeling right off the bat, but whether you want to start with the things that you saw in the countryside or with these nightmares, it's up to you. But the more I know, the better I can help you. I just... I don't necessarily know how to describe it. It looks, it looked like a bat, but at the same time, a person. It was a long time ago. Maybe I'm just misremembering things and the drinking has probably affected my mind or that... Uh, well, let's hold on right there. You said... That, but also a person. Yeah. Tell me, was the person male, female? Uh, well, I don't know. It was dark, and they were just tall. Is there uh, anyone else you can think of who's a looming dark presence in your life? He sits there and thinks for a moment, and then... Probably my manager. Okay. Now, whether or not you saw something out there... It's not what we're here to debate, but it has clearly affected you, and there are going to be people in your life that carry some of that same fear that you felt. Let's see what we can do to help put some of those fears to rest. Okay. How do we do that? As we start. And Gabrielle is going to kind of lead him through a short activity of explaining, like, hey, how do we perceive the world around us? What does that look like? What are some really important people in your life and what do they represent to you and slowly but surely we're going to be aiming toward having him understand the kind of role he takes when he talks when he's around other people and get to the core of who he is by you know understanding his mask and then kind of breaking it down but that won't be for session stuff it's mostly just getting a feel for what he his anxieties are and what his worries are he just divulges. It's just like, I, I don't want to be pushing everybody away. There's this girl that I've been talking to, and I just... She's nice, and I just don't want her to be like everyone else who doesn't want anything to do with me. I want to be sober. I want to fix all of this. Okay. I, I'm just scared. What, what, what brings um, that fear? Right, you mentioned that 
she'll see you in some way that you don't want to be seen? Yeah, if nobody else wants me in their life, I don't want her to get to that point too. Hmm. Okay. Well, what do you want out of the people who are in your life? What do you look for in those people? Well, I don't know. I never thought about it. I just kind of thought friends are friends. Well, yes. What do you like about your friends? I used to like how uh, kind they were to me. Mm-hmm. They would help me out and uh, enable my drinking just a little bit. Oh, well, that's neither here nor there. And this conversation goes on for a while. And Go ahead and roll psychology for him. Sure. So psychology, I think, would be more on the medical side of things for diagnosis. Psychoanalysis, I think. Okay. I don't know much about Call of Cthulhu. I imagine the, the actual talk therapy thing is... That's so weird. It's so hard to fail that. <laughs> I didn't see that. Oh, no. Very good at my job, but I'm just not on it today. Ever since he mentioned that weird bat creature, I've just been really thrown for a loop. Yeah, it. you get the general idea, but you're definitely missing something from him. And while he doesn't seem any the wiser, because he's... You do smell the stink of alcohol on mm. him as you are talking. Yeah. And he is slurring his speech just a little bit. You get the feeling that you'll need to have a lot more conversations with him. Today today just feels off and you'll you'll get back to it another time. Yeah, well one he's if he's still under the influence, I'm not gonna be getting Yeah. A clear picture of him anyway. So I make sure at the end of the session I tell him this was your first session, you couldn't have known, but in the future, save your drinking until after we talk. I'm sorry, absolutely. We won't be able to get much done if you're not in the right state of mind and can't remember what we talk about. No, you're absolutely right. Just to start, right? You can wait until after our appointment if you must. Yeah, how much do I owe you for this session? Oh, well, luckily for you, and she goes over to... There's a little desk where she keeps everything. And she writes out uh, her fees for, like, first session and hands it to her. We'll do session by session, just until we get an understanding of how you want, how often you want to come in and how hard you want to work towards these problems and these fears. And once we get that set up, we can switch to a weekly model and get everything figured out in terms of fees. But this will be the first session. Thank you. Thank you so much. And he goes ahead and he pulls out his wallet and you see it's in rather disrepair and he pays you in cash, which is quite a lot of money. Uh, what was his name again? What did I say his name was? I don't think we said his name. I'm going to call him Trevor. Trevor's having a bad day. Yeah, we're going to see if we can uh, unpack his mask and really get, get to the bottom of who he is and why he's drinking. So it comes around lunchtime and... You hear this familiar buzz coming from outside, which you typically know to be Father Blackwell. He brings you lunch every day. Gabriella, having had a, a pretty pleasant day, no like huge surprises except for the dropping of the pen when Trevor mentioned the bat creatures, goes downstairs and opens the door for Father Blackwell. So, you see this tall man. He wears that full black robe with that clerical collar. He's got brown hair, and he's wearing his sunglasses, circular lenses, 
and then this cross necklace is it's underneath his overcoat right now, but you know it's there and he's got these cross earrings in. It's like, well, you have a lunch appointment. You think you can fit me in? Oh, yes, um, I actually had to clear things up. Know anything about giant bats? Giant bats? I believe that is something from South America. Oh, well, I was thinking a little closer to home. I had the strangest client today. Oh. Well, I'm sure you can't necessarily divulge all of that to me, but... Oh, no. Not in the slightest, but... I just figured if it was something that was happening in our countryside, enterprising clerisy might want to know. <laughs> what with the whole Satan having bat wings and some of the art. Oh, well. I can care neither here nor there for the iconography. But if I hear anything about it, I'll... I don't know, I'll send an exorcist. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's more of a joke, but... Sure. Anyways! I didn't know you could send them out. I always thought there was a lot of bureaucracy involved. Anyways. Good day so far, I'm guessing. Ah, strangest dream beforehand, but... I figure these are the kinds of things that happen when I don't take good care of myself. And clearly I must have eaten something a little off before, because I had a very extensive and involved nightmare. The kind that kind of kept going, even after you think it's done, right? Like, you think you make it to safety, and then you wake up and it's not safe anymore. And that happened a couple of times. Would you like to talk about it? Oh, I see what you're doing here, Father. I did not sin in these dreams. I was nothing but a chaste and lovely person. I bullied an old man, though. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm pretty sure Jesus bullied a few people in his time, so... Well, if it was you, I know with how self-righteous you are, he probably deserved it. I can't really account for it. Don't remember his name, though. That might have been important. Some symbolic meaning for his name. I'm always interested to hear the symbologies that you have for these dreams. Oh, well, it's always very interesting. In my field as well. How are you doing, though? Thank you for the lunch, by the way. It's divine. No problem. What did he bring for lunch today? I'm gonna say... That's London. But, you know, I want I want to live in a world where the food I get in London actually tastes good. You do have a lot of options in London. I was gonna say, um... I'm gonna say it's probably, like... I don't know, like some like a shepherd's pies or something. Something tra that travels well. Yeah. There's also, like, a Greek place down the street. Oh, perfect, yeah. Some, um, some, oh my god, what are they called? Like grape leaves that are like stuffed with food in them. I forget what they're called. Just a bunch of those. And some baklava for dessert. Oh, no problem. I just thought we'd spice things up a little bit. I'm a little tired of fish and chips and shepherd's pie and. Oof. Oh, goodness. You're telling me. I. There wasn't much to write home about in the American South, but the food was good forever wishing that they would put me in Spain rather than England. Really? The food's good. But, neither here nor there. Still, about these dreams, I, you don't talk very much about them, but I'd love to listen. It's on purpose, Father, but has nothing really to do with you. Obviously. But, no, they were different. Go ahead and roll an intellect check. I need a hard success. 
Sure. Nope. So what's the name that keeps coming up in my brain? It's starting to fade out a little bit, but it's Basigur? You know, it's funny, one of the names actually stuck out to me, and I figure it might have some significance. Hopefully it's not a saint that I forgot about, or some demon. It's Bas- Basid- Basigur? Bas- Basugur? I've never heard of it. Ugh. Roll a psychoanalysis. Oh boy. Got him this time. <laughs> <laughs> He's lying through his teeth. Father? As you say father, he's just... Anyways, I should probably head out. You know, mass about to begin. No, it doesn't. It doesn't start for another 30 minutes. Father, are you... You're hiding something from me. <laughs> I actually expect you to get a straight success, my dude. <laughs> he looks down. She must know. No, not right now. Now's not the time. And he looks at his watch, and... Here, come by the chapel Sunday. I'll have a better explanation. Ah, oh, well, you do know how to leave a girl hanging, but I suppose you've been doing that a lot in your life. <laughs> That's fine, I can wait two days. Also, I hate to say it, Victoria probably, when she woke up, probably wrote that name down. Yeah, did Decker did so? Yes, Decker definitely did that. Gabriella did not. <laughs> That was the one thing you didn't write down. Anyways, so he gets up. Here, I had brought in your mail as well. Oh, I knew I lost track of something. And he hands you a couple of letters, and one of them sticks out to you. It's, it's a frail piece of envelope. Looks like it's seen some weathering. Didn't know what that one was. It felt like a lot of paper. Anyways, not my business. Right. You keep your secrets, father. As will you. He's very pensive. With your psychoanalysis, you're just kind of keeping a beat on him, and he's taken aback. Hmm. Right, I check the the not expected piece of mail. All right. And inside, you see a letter. And as you look at the letter, you hear the door opens. God be with you, Gabriella from uh, father and also with you but she says it kind of like tauntingly and also with you because this would have been before the update but also before they switched to using English in mass yeah so actually Gabriella would say and with your spirit because she would have been translating from Latin mm. gotcha uh, I was raised Catholic and remembered two things <laughs> Gabriella Gabriel the triad because <laughs> yeah he would probably still give his masses in Latin, because that didn't change until, like, the 50s. Yep. Mm. And because it was off the Latin, the original and also with you translation was for the English translation, and it has recently been changed to be more in line with the Latin. So, yeah, Gabriella would say, and with your spirit. We learned a thing today. Yeah, would you like some fun Catholic lore? I sure learned it. I got psychology <laughs> and Catholic lore today. I'm... Yeah, can I add a new skill, Catholicism? <laughs> Religion. Oh, wait, that, that is already a skill that exists. You were right. So inside, you see this letter, and you see a lot of money. Oh. 100 pounds. Okay. Which, converted into that time, 
be 126 US dollars, and 126 US dollars is about 2,500 dollars now. It's a lot of money. Alright. To help with your practice. As you look up, Father Blackwell's gone, but you see this man across the street with a nice suit and a maroon tie. Oh. And he looks at you and he kind of just like nods his hat and walks off. Well, I was expecting the opposite, where people would break down my door, but this is marked improvement. Gabriella goes over to a safe, pops it open, and you see there's two piles, or three piles. There's, so people won't hurt me, so I can have fun and keeping the lights on. Yeah. And she takes around half and puts it in the people don't hurt me so she can start paying off some of it. And she does some math in her head and is like, mm, and puts a little bit more in the fun pile than in the keeping the lights on pile. You know that if you were to put all of this money towards your gambling debts, you'd be clear. Oh. This is almost exactly enough. How did you know that, Mr. Tyman? And with that, we're going to go over to Decker. Oh, boy. Oh, yes. Deckard lives in a little loft above the Adelphi Theater. And Deckard's life's kind of just been... When he's at work, he's constantly just, you know, people mock his profession because he's into the occult and he's a... You know, he believes he believes in what bumps in the night and everything. And they just think he's crazy. As we've seen in the past... Mm-hmm. Yes, they, they call him the crazy Santa Claus. Yeah. Deckard just wakes up and he's just like, writes down all the, what he can remember from the dream. And the knocking keeps coming as you're writing it down. Uh, he's just, oh, God damn it. It's very persistent and very rapid successions. Oh, please don't tell me they tracked me down. I'm not going back home. God damn it. Alright. What? Deckard's family is looking for him. He's he's the grand... They want him home, and he's just... No! Grandpa went crazy and ran away from home, and we don't know where all he's going! So he gets up. He's going to the knock, and he's just... Okay. This is so ridiculous, but I have to do it. Deckard gets up from his bed... He has, like, the old-timey, like, suspenders coming from the socks of his legs. Mm-hmm. He's got just, like, heart boxers on, and then he's got his gun holster on his chest, and he's just, I don't believe that dream. I still have confidence in my shots. <laughs> he pulls out his gun, and he goes towards the knocking. Okay. And do you want to look through the people? Yes. You see a man standing there with a with a hat and a nice suit, maroon tie. He seems to be holding something. Definitely not one of mine. He's too well dressed. Hmm. He, he slowly opens the door to look out and he goes, What do you want? For you, sir. He hands you the uh, parcel in his hand. My client wanted you to have this on the day of his death. Inside you will find his journal containing research pertaining to his studies that might interest you. Good day. 
as it is securely in your hand, he turns and walks. Oh. He looks at the box, looks back into his little apartment, his little room, and looks at the cork board with all the string attached. Yes. Slowly backs into back into his room. It's just grabs his special bottle, goes, sits down, op- opens up the parcel, takes a drink. What does Deckard find in this parcel? Inside, you find a journal, and it just has a large letter A on it. Okay, Deckard will open the journal to the first page. Okay, and on the first page you see, To whoever might be reading this, know that I am not crazy, and that all of these things did occur. And to myself, when you open and need a reminder, everything will be okay. You are not crazy. This is just how the world works. You start flipping through the pages, and they detail shapeshifters, the walking dead, tiny people, and many other creatures. And you see this incantation in the back, along with um, a ritual to follow, and a there's notes taken on it, just describing how to empower weapons. You see a strange circle around a sword-looking thing. Mm-hmm. And you see uh, specific patterns that are denoted as must-follow. And you see the cost is the blood of an animal. Oh, don't like that. And... <sighs> It is a one-hour ritual. Does it say the animal has to be recently killed, or can you just, you know, sneak back down to the butcher shop? <gasps> Wait a minute. Deckard actually has an idea on how he can make this work. Yes, that might work just fine. It has to be an animal of size 50 or larger. What would that be? Like a cow? But yeah, we're talking like a cow. We're talking human. Nice. You made this very easy for me. Deckard will go to the butcher shop and get some cow's blood. Oh, are you going to do this now? <laughs> Hell yeah! Deckard is Deckard's just, I'm going to make me a... Soon you will be able to put holes in many things, my beautiful gun. Father. Roll me a sanity check. Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> So, as as you've opened this up and you're starting, you've flipped through the pages and everything, it all sinks in. You lose one d8 sanity. Ow! You know this will probably take you roughly, I'd say, thirty six weeks to read. But after skimming it, you get plus two Cthulhu Mythos. Yay! Hooray! But yes, Darkerville go on a mission to the butcher shop to get some cow's blood. Because, hey, blood sausage is a thing. It's delicious. And that requires, you know, beef blood. Yeah. And, yes, that's, that's, and Deckard will prepare this ritual. He knows he should be going to work today, but he's like, mm, do I feel like dealing with kids today? And their little jeers and their sneers at me. Nah, fuck those little shits. I'm teach themselves for once. Already. Almost killed Ian. Sorry, are you establishing that 
children also bully Decker. <laughs> Everyone bullies Decker. Like, hey, Victoria like, mostly doesn't bully Decker. <laughs> this is why Victoria is Deckard's favorite. Oh, absolutely. I'm just, I, I'm just baffled at like. You have narrative choice here, and you chose to let the children bully you. Yep. <laughs> oh, it's so good. I love Deckard so much. Like, I unironically adore that man. I love that for him. Also, I love how we all probably have very different ideas of who our anonymous benefactors are, because Victoria's thinking birth parents, maybe? Yeah. But also, how did they find me? Wait, is Victoria like Deckard avoiding her family? No, she's adopted. Oh no. <laughs> so, Deckard, you go to the butcher shop. Mm-hmm. As you walk in, you see these young middle schoolers, and they're just like, Hey, look, it's the old man! That he's gonna do some witchy stuff with all of that blood sausage. Hey! Hey, guess what? I was with your mother last night, and she didn't make that much noise, you little shit. Boo, get a new comeback. Decker just pulls his head down and says, Why, why do little jazz burn so much? <laughs> little tear just rolls down one side of his face. That comeback's as old as you are. And the butcher's just like, All right, kids, get out of here. You know, it felt like you let the blade girl just longer to make it hurt more. Well. Decker says he only lets Cracker know. <laughs> I had to mute myself, otherwise that was going to be very unpleasant to listen to. Anyways. The butcher's just like, sorry about that. What can I get for you today, Mr. Lazarus? Um, I would just like one pint of, pint of beast blood. And, you know what? I would like some bone marrow bones as well. Oh, making a stew, I see. Yes, yes. Wonderful. I don't usually have those items readily available, because hardly anybody buys them. I'll go into the back and get some for you. I'll be right back. Thank you, my good man. He steps into the back, and you're kind of left alone in the front of the butcher shop. Deckard's going to start trying to remember more details about the dream. Go ahead and roll an intellect check. I need a hard success. Oh, intellect. Why? Why? (laughs) That just seems so unfair. Point. Do you want to spend a luck? (laughs) I will spend a luck. (laughs) Oh, that's. Or you could always push the roll. You know what? I'm gonna push the roll. Actually, let's do this. Oh, I like that so much better. Nice. (laughs) <laughs> that that first one just it just really felt like it's like no Deckard you were gonna make this hurt so tell me what you did to kind of like remember easier did you just like mind palace this did you have a brain blast what happened you know what I actually like the idea of the mind palace but to give this an even better idea it's not the mind palace it's Lazarus's court what it is, it looks like a pla- like the old school parliament plaintiff stand where a single Deckard walks in and there's an entire jury of Deckards looking down. Interesting. And each one represents a different state of emotion or mental state. And the one at the top is the judge and he's just, mm, yes, yes, 
Hmm, you're trying to remember what you've dreamt of last night. What say you, Deckers? Does he remember? Yes, I! What shall he remember? Let's make him remember the girl that pissed him off. <laughs> Gabriella's face, like, floods into your mind and the ire that you had towards her. Deckard makes notes. Remember to force the girl to look at the supernatural. And then you remember a nicer girl, Victoria, comes into mind. And then you see Ainsley. Ain. Oh, shit. Oh, no. Wait. And then everything floods back in. Roll a sanity check. Oh, no. Deckard! You know what? No, 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 no. I, I, made, I made these decisions. <laughs> Deckard! Woo, no! Deckard rocks. <laughs> this void is just getting so much better. Deckard has a brain space like the protagonist from Disco Elysium, and I love him for it. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh yeah, I have different aspects of my personality yelling at me at all times. And as everything floods in... You have something right. Go ahead and roll 1d8 sanity, please. No problem, huh? Oh! Oh! It hurts so much! So, I also need you to roll me an intellect check with that, because you've gotten above 5. That is a 7. Okay, intellect. Deckard's having a time. Critical success! You didn't want to succeed that one. No! Oh, man. So what happens when you get above a five is that you have remembered or seen or done something so horrible that it is beyond your comprehension. Your mind just kind of snaps and you go through a bout of madness. May I actually pitch you an idea of something that maybe flashes and causes all this that... By remembering all that, Deckard remembers the event with his dad some more. And he sees that creature in more detail, and that's what causes him to lose it. You're more than welcome to. So, uh, page 152 dictates what is about to happen to you. Let's do this. So, you're going to have a bout of madness, and I need you to roll a d10 for me. A three. You know, this just makes sense about why everyone just is just makes fun of Deckard now. Because <laughs> he's doing shit like this. And I need you to roll another d10 for me. Warning. Warning. So, the red veil descends upon your vision. And you feel angry at everyone who has bullied you. Everyone who has told you that your life's work is worthless. The people that are trying to find you and say you're crazy. The people who jeer at you on the streets. You hate it. You hate it. And you want vengeance. Because for all the pain that they have caused you, and no matter how many times you've just turned the other cheek, it doesn't feel right. That they should just go on being able to do that. No one's going to stop them. They're just going to chime in. Throw in their own two cents. You thought coming to England would be better. You thought nothing would be able to touch you. You were wrong about that. It makes you angry. You start seething. You start 
thinking about the boys, the children that were just in here. And you think, why do I think about them when you can think about their parents and how terrible they must be at raising their own kids? You did great at raising your kids, at least while you were there. <laughs> 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 this is not the omniscient narrator roasting your parenting. Oh no! This is every one of Deckard's children's memory of of Deckard. Bye, son. <laughs> You're gonna be back after you get milk, right, Deckard? <laughs> <laughs> and you grab the holster. You're just like, no. There's a cheaper way to do this. And seven hours later, you wake up. You wake up with enough blood to empower many, many weapons that are strewn out across your room. You have no idea where this blood came from. You don't remember buying it. <laughs> oh shit. Holy oh, shit. Oh god. That escalated quickly. <laughs> I'm gonna fight these existential horrors. I really... it. This really actually goes well with... Because Deckard will sit there and he doesn't feel good about this because he just remembers his former partner and best friend always telling him, for he who hunts monsters, be careful, for you may become a monster yourself. And as you listen to the news on the radio to kind of just maybe calm your nerves... You hear London is on edge after war has been declared, even more so as people are now going missing. And you hear various news reports about how people are probably fleeing to America. Then you hear these evocative radio announcers talking about how there's probably just another Jack the Ripper on the loose, a copycat. But no remains have been found of these people. Today gunshots were heard around your area the police are asking people to stay inside until they can figure out what happened okay then okay your bout of violence ended in a fit of rage and as you enter into your own bathroom it smells like bleach you have been listening to Beyond the Crumbling Veil, a Call of Cthulhu 7e actual play podcast by Styx Helix Productions, part of Pseudonym Social, a creative podcast network changing reality one story at a time. If you enjoy the show, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes or Podchaser or wherever you're listening, because it helps people find us and we appreciate it so much. Beyond the Crumbling Veil is DM'd by John Foman of Sticks Helix Productions. Deckard Lazarus is played by Brian from Dungeons and Pop. Gabriella Slaughter is played by Ian, who you can find in actual plays near you, and is at Ian Caliente on Twitter. And Victoria McGuire is played by Brianna Jean, who you can find at Brianna Jeans on Twitter. Go check out the Role Players Podcast, available today on your favorite podcast platforms and at the website roleplayers.net. The Role Players Podcast depicts the host playing a game called Dungeon World, which is a beginner-friendly tabletop game that focuses on improv, storytelling, world building, and character development over something with a lot of numbers and stats like D&D. The main story follows a twitchy, distrusting, halfling rogue named Zinx 
a gullible dwarven fighter with a heart of gold named Dim, and a literal salamander with the powers of pyrokinesis named Jack. The cast is comprised of Adam and Amy, who plays Zinks, Justin, who plays Dim, and David, who plays Jack. The heroes are known as the Sterilizers. They trek across ye old America, causing problems as they solve others. Their first adventure depicts the heroes trying to stop the Pepsi cartel from destroying the great and powerful nation of ye old Atlanta. Check out the podcast today. Subscribe. Make sure you share with your social networks as well. The Role Players Podcast. Learn more and stream at the tabletop podcast webpage, roleplayers.net. You can also connect on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Role Players Win.